Now, John's Gospel has been described, uh, well, in many ways, but certainly someone has said it's the most amazing book that was ever written. And I think it's probably my favorite book of the Bible. It just has such a tremendous poetry and richness and depth and, and is just packed with fantastic truth. Uh, we could easily do a four-week series, I think, just on the first couple of verses of the book. So John starts by telling us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later in the chapter, in verse 14, he explains to us what this phrase, the Word, refers to. He says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the Word is Jesus. And in these opening verses of his Gospel, John makes a number of dramatic claims about who Jesus is. Firstly, he says that Jesus is God and that he has always existed. And as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus about 2,000 or so years ago, John's claim is that the Almighty God himself came to earth and that he came in the person of Jesus. He claims that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy by the prophet Isaiah, which was made hundreds of years beforehand, and which we often hear read at this time of year, where Isaiah wrote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Isaiah had predicted the birth of a child who would be God himself. And John claims that Jesus is that child. Secondly, he says that everything that exists was made through him. Nothing that exists came into being without his involvement. And then thirdly, he says that Jesus is the source of life and is the light of all people. So I'd like us just to spend a little while looking at each of these points in turn. So first of all, John says that Jesus is God and that he has always existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John says that as God, Jesus has always existed. He was there at the very beginning, the beginning of everything, and Jesus was God. But it must perhaps uh, raise a question in your mind. Uh, John says that Jesus was God, but he also says he was with God. Now, if I say that I saw someone with you, it implies that there were two people, doesn't it? There was you and this other person. If Jesus was with God, it suggests that he and God are distinct and separate. So how can Jesus be God and be with God? But I suggest that really this is only a problem if we insist on thinking of God purely in a human way, or purely in a physical rather than a spiritual way. As human beings, we, we can only be in one place at once. We can't be ourselves and be with ourselves. But a few chapters further on, John tells us uh, some of the words that Jesus spoke, where Jesus says, God is spirit. And at the heart of God's nature is, is a mystery. There is only one God. 
but he exists as three persons. God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. As, as a human being, I cannot be Murray Hepburn and also be with Murray Hepburn. It's not humanly possible, but it is possible for God. And it's so important that we don't regard God simply as a kind of superhuman being, someone who's like us, but bigger, better, more powerful. Because that's a wholly inadequate view of God. God God is in another league altogether. To fully understand his nature is far beyond our capacity. He operates to a different set of rules, and he is not subject to the limitations that we are. And if we want to understand what God is like, it's no good sitting down and trying to work it out because we can only accurately know anything about God by learning from what he has revealed to us. So we come to his revelation, we come to the Bible, and we base our understanding on that, not on our own limited intellectual capacity. So through the Apostle John, God tells us that the man Jesus, born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, has been with God and has been God from the very beginning. I remember hearing a Christian speaker once recounting a conversation he had with somebody who was not a Christian. And uh, at one point in the conversation, this person said to him, said, are you really trying to tell me that you believe this man Jesus was God? And he said, yes. You're getting the idea. That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's exactly what John teaches in his gospel. But he then goes on to expand on that idea in in verse 3. He says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John claims that Jesus is God the creator. And that's uh, reiterated elsewhere in the New Testament. In uh, the book of Colossians we read, He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in in him all things hold together. And that last phrase, in him all things hold together, tells us that As part of the Godhead, Jesus not only created everything that exists, but he also sustains it, second by second. The writer of the Hebrews said, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. It's uh, the time of year now, isn't it, when we tend to look back on the the past year and... uh, I wonder if 2012, one of the things that it's going to be remembered for is as the year in which the Higgs boson was finally discovered. Uh, Atomic theory led physicists to believe for years that this particle must exist. Now, I'm not a physicist, so forgive me if I'm not entirely accurate with the details. But as I understand it, this particle is the particle which gives mass and substance to all the other particles. Without it, nothing would have any substance. It's crucial to the existence 
of all matter. And some people have described it as the God particle. Seems a shame to me, actually, it was called the Higgs boson, because I don't think anyone knows what a boson actually is. I, I think they should have called it the Catholic priest particle, because it provides mass to all the others. I <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but in the Daily Telegraph in July this year, it said, scientists believe they have captured the elusive God particle that gives matter mass and holds the fabric of the universe together. And the Bible tells us that behind this physical mechanism is the power of Jesus. It's Jesus who created and sustains everything that exists. So the great miracle of Christmas is that the Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of everything that exists, was born as a human baby. But then thirdly, John says that Jesus is the source of life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That is all people. He talks about Jesus as being light and life. And what this means, I think, is that Jesus is the source of life in both a physical and a spiritual sense. We, don't, we know that in terms of our physical existence, all life on earth is dependent on the sun. Without the sun, it would be impossible to grow food. The light of the sun is the source of life. And that, I think, is the picture that John is painting here, that Jesus sustains all life on earth. He is like the light of the sun. Without Jesus, we cannot survive physically. It makes no difference whether you happen to believe that, whether you're agnostic or atheist. We all depend, with no exceptions, on Jesus for our day-to-day -day survival. If he were to cease his work of sustaining the universe just for a moment, then all life on earth would stop. But we also know that aside from the basic issue of survival, it's very difficult to live in the dark. Uh, living here where we do in Bristol, uh, we almost never find ourselves in complete darkness, do we? Certainly I can't remember the last time I found myself in total darkness. Uh, during the night, the street lamps are on, we have electric power in our houses, so it's very unusual that we're truly in the dark. But uh, just occasionally when we go on holiday, perhaps we're out in the countryside, somewhere a bit remote, and you step outside and suddenly you are in complete darkness. And it's, it's quite a, a stunning experience when it happens because it's so unusual. And suddenly you realize what it's like to be able to see nothing. And it can be a bit dangerous, can't it? You never know quite what you're going to bump into or fall over. And whenever our human race needs to do anything at night other than sleeping, the first thing we always do is to provide some light. Living in darkness is probably possible, but it, it's not a great way to live, is it? Not knowing exactly where we are, not being sure where we're going, groping around in the dark trying to find our bearings, struggling to find things that we know are there but we can't see them. And that really is the picture that the Bible paints for us of life without Jesus. Our world is in darkness. It needs the light. And at Christmas we celebrate the fact that the light is that baby born in a manger 2,000 or so years ago. 
So light and life refers not just to physical life, but also to the spiritual. We all want more from life, don't we, than mere physical survival. And most of us realize that there is more to life than purely the physical and the material world around us. And Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. And living life to the full, I think, is a description of what most of us would like to do. Jesus is the source of our spiritual life. And his life and work started at that first Christmas have made it possible for us to come into a relationship with God. Without the light and life of Jesus, something fundamental and essential is missing from our lives. And there is no substitute for it. There are obviously many things in life apart from Jesus which can bring us a a degree of happiness, uh, plenty of pleasure, a degree of fulfillment, but they're all transitory and unreliable. If we base our happiness on anything in this world, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment and disillusionment. You know, relationships, a good relationship is a wonderful thing, but relationships come to an end. They either break down or they can be ended by the death of one of the partners. Promising careers can go off the rails. Businesses can fail. Seemingly secure jobs can disappear as a result of austerity or other problems. Health can fail. Accidents, illness or old age can prevent us from doing things that we love to do. And in this world of of uncertainty... The only unchanging and utterly reliable basis for our security is Jesus. So Jesus is the source of life and light. And as we approach Christmas then, and we remember Jesus, the light of the world, coming into our world, perhaps the question to ask ourselves is, well, are we going to live in the light or in the darkness? Later in John's Gospel, John records these words of Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this morning would be a good time to decide, perhaps for the first time, to follow Jesus, or if that's a decision that you've already made, to reaffirm that decision. All over the country at this time of year, various celebrities are turning on the Christmas lights. But by following Jesus this Christmas, we can each let his life come into our lives. Amen.